Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. It is crucial that you experience the love of Jesus, yet it is also important that His love is shared with others. It is particularly vital that the love of Jesus is apparent in the church and among God's people. That's because love is often the most convincing aspect of the reality of Christ's love to people outside the faith. In John chapter 15, the night before the cross, Jesus is explaining to the disciples what this love in action looks like. This love is so powerful, it changes both us and those around us. To hear more directly from Jesus on this, let's join Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Loving One Another. We have to realize that we can't do things the same way Jesus did. Can you wash someone's feet? Yes, you can. Can you die on a cross to save people from their sins? No, you cannot. You cannot. As a matter of fact, I would be one of the people that would believe that that whole foot washing scene in John chapter 13 goes far beyond the humility of, of, of washing someone's feet, uh, perhaps maybe even spooking the apostles later on going, gosh, we, God washed our feet. But I think it really is symbolic. Foot, uh, feet have to do with the way we walk and walk has to do with the way we live in the Bible. And I think there's a symbolism there of Jesus cleansing us from our walk, from our sins, that, that he can only do for people. And certainly these words, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Certainly these words point us to the cross, especially, I think, since they come right after Jesus saying, as I have loved you. You know, an important and powerful way to feel confident and secure in God's love for you is to continually looking at the cross. Jesus says that when, when you lay down one's life for your friends, there's no greater love than this, than when you lay down your life for your friends. Jesus' Christian friend laid down his life for you. There, the evidence of God's love for you is absolutely undeniable. Jesus said this, John 10, 18, he said, no one takes my life from me or takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. So there we, we see, in a sense, Jesus is saying, listen, I lay it down myself. I am voluntarily laying down my life. I'm gonna die on the cross in your place for your sins so you can have the forgiveness of sins in eternal life. He goes on and he says, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it, up, to take it again. This command I have received from my father. So his father told him, this is the plan for the forgiveness of sins. When we come back to verse 13, what Jesus is getting at here in verse 13 is self-sacrificing love, in which the supreme demonstration of that type of love is seen in Jesus on the cross. Now, I know a lot of us, we complain about phony Hollywood love. You know, we were... Pam and I were trying to watch a movie the other night, and you know how you just, we said, let's watch the preview of something. And it, it, was, it was a couple, and you know, it was a good actor and a good actress that, from years ago, but uh, they fell in love. And then it turns out in the preview that they had to tell their spouse that they met somebody on the train and they fell in love with that. We're like, we're not watching that. That's not real love. That's, that's just baloney. So we're not gonna watch that. So we complain about Hollywood love. But I think sometimes followers of Jesus, if we're not careful, we can have a very sterile view of love. 
we can have a very sterile way of just using that way. I love you, brother. I love you, you know, stuff like that. And we have to be very, very careful. You see, Jesus is telling them here, and by extension, he's telling us, this love that you have for one another, this laying down your life for one another, this is the Christian life. This is it. This is how we live it out. This is cross-centered love. This is for us, if we're looking at the cross, the cross is for us a taste of divine love. Watching God humble himself in the person of Jesus Christ. God becoming a man. Watching love. That's why I love reading the Gospels. Love walking among us. Just walk, his love put on feet. He put on flesh and he walked among us on his way to the cross. And I've always been amazed by the fact that there was many, many different ways God could have forgiven our sins. Many different ways. He could have said, ah, just forget about it. Or he could have, you know, done something to scare everybody in the world and go, we're sorry, we're sorry. But he doesn't do that at all. What does he do? He did it by giving us his son. Now, some people say, well, you know, greater love has no man than this than lay down his life for his friends. Wouldn't it be greater love to, to lay down your love for your enemies? Well, that's not what he's talking about here. That's not the context here. And this is how we in the church, followers of Jesus, are to love one another. It, it is allowing the love of Jesus we have experienced to overflow out of our hearts in sacrifice to others. Let's, let's not go too fast on that one. It is allowing, this way of loving one another is allowing the love of Jesus we have experienced. That's why it's important to experience the love of Jesus. Keep looking at the cross. Keep looking at the evidences of grace that you see in your own life and the life of others. Allowing the love of Jesus that you've experienced to overflow in your heart in sacrifice to others. You see, it's, it's the love of Jesus that fuels the church. I mean, the church is such a diverse group of people that would have nothing else in common were it not for the love of Jesus. And particularly at this moment in time, I really think this is what the world is looking for. I really think this is what the world needs is to, is to let all of these kind of different barriers, just not, not, not that we ignore them, but we're able to say, I'm able to love you for who you are. You're my brother. You're my sister. I'm going to love you, even if we have nothing more than that in common. I remember when I first went to church back in the 1980s, I, I went into a church, I remember in New York City, I remember the diversity of the people there. And it so caught my eye, thinking, these people would have nothing in common. That guy looks rich. He looks poor. You know, he looks like an athlete. You know, that's an old person. That's a young person. What, what do they, a musician, what do they have in common? And I quickly learned that it was the shared mutual love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, to be honest, our love for one another might just be the most convincing aspect of our faith to unbelieving people. It may be something that, that they can argue about a lot of different things, but they can't argue the love that we would have for one another. You see, our love for one another shows us how deep our love for God really is. Remember what John said, right? So we, we, 
we demonstrate our love for God by demonstrating the love of God towards other people. You see, we are called, and this is something I think we forget, that we are called uh, and empowered to a demonstration of the patience that God has with us. It would also help us, I think, as you love more and more, not to be so easily offended. So many people are so easily offended. Rather, you will be able to find tremendous blessing yourself as you bless others. Now, once again, we can't be selfish. If you're selfish or self-centered, you're going to really, really struggle with this. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, in other words, if you want to be a real deal follower of Jesus Christ, let him deny himself, that's not easy, and take up his cross and follow me. Now, here's a soul-searching question for you. When you, when you hear all this, do, is this to you, do you hear it as an obligation or do you hear it as an opportunity? I mean, I mean, which really is it to you? And when you think about loving people more, does your heart burst with the possibilities of what that could be? Really, think about it. Now, I'm not talking about an overbearing love, but I'm just talking about just really having a heartfelt care for people. It's critical we see that sacrificial love is a necessary component of abiding in Christ that, as Jesus said, your joy may be full. That you may have and I may have his joy. 1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. That's how we know love, by knowing what he did for us. That's how we are motivated to love, by knowing what he did for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So what it, the way it works is this, is our love for others is simply an outgrowth of the experience of Jesus' love for us. It is the love of heaven. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, I, I don't really need to be part of a, a church. I don't really need to be associate with other Christians to follow Jesus. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's, that can't, it's impossible. I know that's not easy for some people to hear. I know some people have a lot of bad experiences with the churches, with churches. And, you know, that's what we're supposed to help people. We pastors, I help people work with that fairly often, but that's a real mark of how much we Experience the love of Christ is how much we love others. And his laying down his life for us serves as our motivation. So we talked about the commandment to love from Jesus. Why do we love Jesus? Because he loved us. And why do we love others? Because he loved, uh, because he loved us. Well, then we went to the motivation of love from Jesus because he laid down his life on the cross for us. We can lay down ourselves, our rights, maybe a little bit of our time or our money or something like that or our service for other people. And we go to number three, the result of love from Jesus. It's an incredible thing and it takes us into next week. We can actually be called God's friends. So verse 14 again takes us into next week, says, you are my friends 
But please note there's a condition on this. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. When a follower of Jesus, if you're new to this and you don't understand what that means, a follower of Jesus is someone, Jesus called it repenting and believing. It is someone who has turned to God and put their trust in Jesus. They are willing to admit, God, I've lived my life apart from you, but I'm done now. I'm gonna turn to you. I had my back to you. I'm gonna turn to you. And instead of trusting in myself and being a good person or thinking whatever I do is good enough or you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, you know, I'm not as bad as Adolf Hitler or something like that, but just saying, I'm not gonna trust in myself anymore. I'm gonna trust in Jesus Christ. That's a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus, when a follower of Jesus consistently with the Holy Spirit's help obeys Christ, again, not perfection, But when we consistently obey Christ, the Holy Spirit will bring assurance of salvation to your heart. He will. Because you'll go to do something and you'll think, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. And you're walking away and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, that's that's because you belong to me. You're you're, you're one of God's children. That's that's why it's it's the way that it is. But notice the word, If, you are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. Yes, now how we talk about God's part and our part, yes, Jesus saves. Jesus saves us from our sins. That's his part. But here he talks about if you do whatever I command you, there he talks about our part, our personal responsibility. The good news of the gospel is this. We are saved by the grace of God. We're given something that we don't deserve, salvation, by the grace of God through faith. That's how we grab a hold of it, okay? Not of works, not of what we do, good things for God. Before we're Christians, they don't matter. So we can't boast. We can't go, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. That's boasting. So that's the good news. We're saved because of the life that Jesus lived, perfection, and his death and resurrection. We're saved by that. Um, so our obeying does not per se make us friends with Jesus as much as we are a friend of Jesus because obeying is a characteristic of the way friends of Jesus live. It's a really important point. You know, sometimes people, when they come to faith in Jesus, they experience tremendous changes in their lives. Others, it's slower, but there's always change. If there's been no change in your life since you've become a follower of Jesus or in your life of faith, today I think you need to get yourself right with Jesus because that is a mark of a Christian. People will say that person is very, very different. So we now want to obey Jesus. It's not because we have to. It's because we want to. Friends have have common aims and outlooks. The Old Testament prophet Amos said this, Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? See, obedience is the test of discipleship. What is a disciple? We've said this many times before. It's someone who is a learner of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. And if you want to know how you're doing in your discipleship, obedience is the test. Friends of Jesus obey him. Friends of Jesus love one another. And I think we all know this. How how do one-way friendships work out? One-way friendships don't work. 
They don't. Do you ever have a friend and all you do is you talk about their problems? And, and, and you're like, they're like, well, how's your problem? And you're like, well, you know, everything's going wrong in my life. Oh, that's good. Glad to hear it. I've had people say that to me. You know, everything's going wrong. I'm like, oh, that's good. that's good. Glad to hear it. Jesus lets people into his circle of friends who trust him and obey him. And without that, what happens is we end up with churches full of false converts. People who say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Other people who say I'm going to heaven because I've done various sacraments. Other people who say, uh, well, I trusted in Jesus. He forgave all my sins. It doesn't really matter how I live. None of those things, Jesus said the criteria for being, that he would call you a friend is that you obey what he says. And that's why there's so many false converts running around. It's a scary thought. It's a very, very scary thought. You see, you can't be friends with someone. I can't be friends with someone if, if we constantly snub them. We can't be friends with someone if we constantly treat them horribly. But Jesus is here to help us to obey, help us to deny ourselves. And this is an amazing thing. When we do that, he stoops down and he says, that's my friend. That's my friend. That's just glorious to me. That's like my heart just, just, is just bursting when I hear stuff like that. Now, it's very important to see, uh, once again in verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Sadly, in this day and age, I think that people often think of Christians and define them as what they don't do. And a lot of Christians are that way too. You know, you know are you Christian? Yeah, man, don't drink, don't chew, don't date girls who do. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, look at all the stuff I don't do. Okay, that's great. You don't do any of that stuff. But, but Jesus says you have to do what I command you to do. Jesus says, if you do. Yes, there are don'ts. But Jesus here is saying, if you do, do what? Well, here he's saying, if you continuously love one another. It's not something you just do one time and take a break. This is a lifestyle of living. It's, it's day after day that you love your brothers and sisters. You don't have to have ill will. You don't have hatred in your heart towards them. What do you do? You, you worship together with them. When, when you're not here, and the church is, you know, to gather. When you're not here, we miss you. You might not think that we do, but we do. We are to disciple one another, sharpen one another. People think, well, you know, how could, how could I do that with anybody else? I'm going to tell you how people in this church disciple me as a preacher. But it's particularly the first service crowd. They come out and they ask me questions about what I was talking about in the sermon. And then I make sure that I'm crystal clear on that in the second service. So they're helping to disciple me, uh, to make me into a better preacher. We help people in a, in a variety of ways. Now, some people will say, okay, I'm, I'm down with all this. I'm down with all this. Can I pick and choose what I do? Like, can I read the Bible and go, yeah, I can do that, Lord. Yeah, I can do that, Lord. Nah, Lord, I don't want to do that one. No, I don't want to do that one. Well, Jesus said, if you do whatever I command you. And it's not like Jesus going, if you do whatever. No, not at all. He's saying, if you do whatever I command you. Very, very important. That characterizes 
a friend of Jesus. That characterizes a friend of the king. To, to pick and choose my obedience. To hate my brother or sister. And I know this is hard. Or to not love them or not care about them. This is hard. Is really to refuse to be a friend of Jesus. But to pursue love which in connection with the first 11 verses that we spent six weeks on in this chapter is the fruit of the vine. It is an evidence to you that you are of the Lord's vineyard. Now, Abraham, who, by the way, will be starting to look at his life of venturing out into the unknown, and Moses, those two are called in the Bible the friends of God. Yet... Please pay careful attention, especially with some of the songs on the radio. Yet the word of God, despite contemporary Christian culture, does not call Jesus our friend. Isn't that interesting? It calls us Jesus's friends, but does not call Jesus our friend. Now, first off, it's, it's not like social media, like where he unfriends you. They're like, oh, no, I got unfriended by Jesus. Um, there's that show on Sunday nights. I don't know if it's still on. It's called God Friended Me. It's, it's, it's not like that at all. Now, and now, don't get me wrong. It is true that you could never find a better friend than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But the word friend in the context of God, I believe, is too casual. And when we get too casual about God, I believe that we put ourselves in the danger zone that our faith is in a dangerous spot. Jesus is more than a friend. Jesus is Savior, and Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God incarnate, meaning God put on humanity. Jesus is the king of the cosmos. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can lift us up into the heavenly places. And so to just to refer to him as, well, he's my friend seems a little too casual and not giving him the honor that's due him. And so, yes, we are called friends of Jesus if we obey him, but he is much more than just a friend to us. He is everything. He is our all in all. A verse we come back to again and again, 1 John four nineteen. we love him because he first loved us. Even before we were called friends of Jesus, the cross expresses the great love that Jesus has for his friends. And when we realize that Jesus took the initiative towards us, we then, faith is simply this, the kind of faith that will get your sins forgiven, the kind of faith that will get you to heaven, is the faith that responds to that. And even if that faith responds to it, Jesus will talk about that next week, you'll know that Jesus has put that response in you so deeply. He's opened up your eyes to see him dying on the cross, not for everybody. People say, oh, we died on the cross for our sins, but we need to internalize it and say, he died on the cross for my sins. John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That word for could be, we could substitute instead of. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life instead of the sheep. Jesus died on the cross so all who turn to God and trust in him could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life 
So enemies of God could then become friends. Friends. In fact, next we will see that God gives his friends insider information. Jesus makes insider information available to his friends even right now. So friend, let me ask you, are you a friend of Jesus? Are you a friend of Jesus? You see, if you're a friend of Jesus, while your body might die and go into the grave, friends of Jesus will never die a spiritual death or will never be separated from the love of God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be today. Put your trust in him. Confess your sins to him. Put your trust in him and be loved by him. Become part of the family of God and love one another. Why? Because that's what love does. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.